sing I can't contain the joy you bring All because of your great love Now I live I was dead but now I breathe Awaken to your grace so free In the power of your cross My freedom, you gave your all for me Forever, you made a way for me And you came to my rescue You came to my rescue Calling on your name, calling on your name You love me now oh, You came to my rescue you give him some praise this morning. He's worthy, amen. I'm just happy to be in the house of the Lord. Hey, well, let's turn to Psalms chapter 8 and verse 3 and 4. It says this, it says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You know, I think about that verse and I think about 
Why would God care about me? Why would he send his son to die? You know what? I, I don't know. In my mind, I can't fathom why. But you know what? I'm glad that he did. Amen? I'm glad that he came and paid a price that I couldn't pay. So as we continue to worship the Lord this morning, I encourage you, let your heart connect with the Father this morning because he loves you so much. Amen?
Let's just lift our hearts, our hands to the Lord as we say, Thank you, Jesus, just as I am, I come Bless your name, Jesus. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is Morning, Lord. 
showing up today, God. We love you and bless you, Jesus. Why don't you just go ahead and give him some praise this morning. He's worthy, amen. If you'll go ahead and be seated, we're going to continue to worship this morning, but the ushers are going to serve you with communion this morning.
song. There was a time in my life where I had no clue what it meant. A song about the blood of Jesus. Well, that's what this represents. This little cup represents the blood of Christ. <clears throat> this little piece of unleavened bread means no yeast. Yeast was a picture of sin. This represents the body of Christ that died on the cross. And here's why it's so important. There's a truth in the Bible that says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So, in the Old Testament, there was always a sacrifice made to cover the sins of the people. And then when John the Baptist came along, Jesus appeared and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So again, the picture of the blood. The cross, which Christ gave his life on, is what we remember today. But we also remember the fact that Jesus is coming again. Now, you know, if you just listen to CNN or Fox News or, you know, secular outlets, you, you have no clue. But the Bible is very, very clear. It's Christ is coming again. 
And that's called the blessed hope. It's what we look forward to as Christians. It's what provokes us to live a life of righteousness worthy of our calling. So can we sing it just one more time? Oh, the blood of Jesus. And oh, the blood of Jesus. came to a, a time in my life. It was August 15th, 1976, a long time ago. I was a very worldly person. I was in college. I uh, went to church because mom made me go, but it made no difference. And a Gideon shared his testimony. I was going to the Navy. He thought I was going to run away from my problems. And he shared the fact that God loved me and God had a plan and a purpose for my life. And it was like I had ears to hear that day. And I was looking for something that was missing in my life, a relationship with God. And I found that day I said yes to Christ. I invited Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. And I set myself to follow him. And I've never looked back and I've, I've never regretted it. We're going to receive communion together to remember what Christ did. Scripture says, I received from the Lord, Paul the Apostle, that which I delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it. And Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Lord, today I want to pray that something supernatural would happen. I pray that you would reveal yourself in a greater measure. That we would realize the love that God has for us. Enough to come to this earth and su substitute his life for ours. So I wouldn't have to experience eternal judgment. I ask you to bless this bread today. I ask you to... Today, if there's any sick in our midst, that the miracle touch from God would touch their bodies. In Jesus' name, God bless his bread. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant or promise in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, say it with me, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So today, as we hold this cup, we humbly ask God to forgive us for what we've done wrong. You may take just a minute and say, Lord, I, some things I'm aware of and some things I'm oblivious to, but I, every sin in my life, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cover me with the blood of Christ. I ask you to help me live a, a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, I receive your grace in my life today. Lord, today, but I want to forgive people who've sinned against me, who've done me wrong, who hurt me. Well, I don't want to hold anything against anyone. I want my heart to be clean towards all men. We ask you to bless this cup today in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hey, let's stand up and sing one more time. And how beautiful the blood And how merciful the love song. Yeah. 
Christ this morning. Give him some praise. He's worthy. Amen. We serve a good God. Why don't you turn around and give your neighbor a high five. Tell him how happy you are to see him in the house of the Lord. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. The journey of life can be difficult and confusing. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help make your journey clear by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you grow and stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It's a four-week class to help you learn about the church, get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The Becoming a Person of Influence class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, and your home. Between our Connect, Spirit-Filled Life, Freedom, and Becoming a Person of Influence classes, there is a Wednesday night class for everyone. The first Saturday of every month, we have free extended childcare for our Saturday night attendees. You can go out on a date or run some errands till 9.30, and pizza is provided for the kids. Pick up a ticket from an usher after Saturday night service, recheck your child in, and you're on your way. 
Amen.
got a lot of bad things in it and a lot of those bad things trickle in our lives but we just want to say thank you today because you are still good in life's darkest day a light shines in our heart because of Christ we want to say welcome Lord let your presence be here and capture our hearts afresh in Jesus name and if I said amen hey tell your neighbor you are glad they're here this morning and you may be seated So sorry, I thought there was time. He just pulled out. I don't have time to stop. Well, come on, mate. It was a simple mistake. I know if I was going a bit slower. Please. I've got my boy in the back. I'm going too fast. I'm sorry. I ignored the warning sign. I was going too fast. How many know stop signs, no text and drive signs, highway signs, anything that's out there by the highway department, <clears throat> it's not there to, you know, rain on my parade or make my life worse. Warning signs are there to protect me from danger. 
Warning signs are to protect me from disastrous consequences. Well, how many know, shouldn't we do the same thing for people we care about? Warn them about things that are potentially dangerous. And I suggest to you that we should warn people about the consequences of living in rebellion against God. Let me say it again, and pardon my little sinus drainage this morning. We should warn people about living in rebellion against God's commandments. Um, I'm one who believes the Bible is true. I'm one who believes the Bible is relevant for today. I'm one who believes that Jesus not only came one time, but he's coming again. Come on. And he's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. But I'm also one that believes that there's going to be a day of reckoning, a judgment day as the Bible teaches, where every one of us will give an account of our lives to God. And I've entitled the morning's message, Warning. It's a message on the serious side, but it's our responsibility as Christians to warn people about God's imminent judgment because of the sinfulness of our lives. Uh, A warning, by definition, is simply to caution people about danger so they can avoid it. I don't know about you, but I've got a 16-year-old, and I tell her, no texting while you're driving. Come on. Go the speed limit. You don't need to talk on the phone. All those things to protect her. Well, how many know protecting a person's eternal soul is the greatest thing we can do? My hero this morning, I've been doing a series called Heroes, and we're going to talk about Noah. Noah was a literal biblical character. You remember him? He's the guy with the animals and the ark. Uh, The flood came on the earth. We're going to talk about him. And the passage I want to use is a New Testament one. It's 2 Peter chapter 2, and it gives us a, a, a unique insight on Noah's life. It said, God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people. But he protected Noah, say it with me, a preacher of righteousness. And again, preacher is not just what I do. The word preach is a communicator. It's what we all do as Christians. A preacher of righteousness. The New Living Translation says, Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. And in so doing, he saved his own family. Noah, when the world was destroyed, he was protected. He was saved because of his choices to follow after God. So Noah's who's, who we're looking at this morning, and I want to begin in Genesis chapter 6. I've, I've entitled the morning's message, Warning. Genesis chapter 6, we're going to look at about four, three or four different passages there, are different collections of verses. But I want to first talk about the world that Noah lived in. And when I read the Bible, I try to not only understand historical fact, not only truth, Uh, I'm a believer in truth. Uh, Scripture clearly teaches it. Jesus said his words were truth. Uh, We live in a world today that tells us there's no such thing as absolute truths. There's no moral absolutes. Everybody kind of gets to decide on their own what's right and wrong. What can I tell you? That's not biblical. God has unchanging standards in the world, and I do the best in my life to submit myself to the Lord to believe that his ways are true, his ways are just and right, and uh, I want to live in a way that pleases him. But let's look at Genesis 6, verse 5, and it's about Noah and the world he lived in. Scripture says that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. Wickedness is a, is a, is a comprehensive word. Uh, it basically means uh, anything that's lived in opposition to the will and the commandments of God. A very broad word. He saw the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Now, that's 
that's strong. Uh, if you've got kids, you get up in the morning and, you know, you're wiping the sleep out of your eyes and you get going and you're going to make them some Cheerios and you're thinking about going to work. Maybe you, you know, listen to Caleb or something to get going in the morning. Well, when these guys would wake up in the morning, they're thinking about how they're going to take advantage of people, how they're going to hurt people, how they're going to get even with the person that messed with them yesterday. Maybe their wife didn't do breakfast or whatever the case is, a little violence around the house. I mean, it was an evil world from the beginning, uh, from the start to the end. Uh, and verse 6 is a, is, is a verse that's always intrigued me. It said, the Lord regretted that he'd made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. I don't believe man evolved from a single-cell organism. I don't believe man evolved from an ape. I believe Genesis that says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and, and then God created man in his own image. He formed Adam from the dust of the ground. And his intent was to have a people to share eternity with. It was to have people to be in relationship with. When the New Testament tells us about God, it talks about him as our heavenly father. Now, if you had a good dad growing up, you know, it brings a good feeling to mind. If you didn't have a good father, think about your ideal for a dad. But God's the ultimate of a heavenly father, and he just wanted people to relate to him. But it's almost as if people were just, you know, waving their middle finger at God, just saying, I don't care what you want. I'm going to do my own thing. And that was the world. Verse 7, the Lord said, I'm going to wipe from the face of the earth uh, the human race that I've created. Now, you're not going to hear things like that on your news channel, if you, Yahoo News or wherever you happen to listen. You're not going to hear anything like this. You're not going to hear about judgment. We just, in our world today, we, we have like, like washed away from the social consciousness, sin and evil and judgment and, and, and those kind of things. We've told people there is no God and there's no life after death. Can I tell you, friend, all that's in opposition to the Bible. And you, like me and every other person, have to choose whether we believe the Bible is God's word or it's not. But one day, the Bible says there's going to be another judgment, just like the judgment of Noah's day. It's going to be eternal. One day we're all going to stand before God, and that's why we want to warn people so they could be ready on that day. You know, uh, I, I try to do my best to convey my love as a Christian to them. Uh, glad people are, are part of our fellowship. Uh, well, what kind of friend would I be if I saw your house was on fire? Come on. Or if I'm even riding down the road and I see you, your gas top is off or something and, you know, you're smoking a cigarette and throwing it out the window. What kind of friend would I be if I didn't stop you? See, this is what friends do. We warn people. Um, verse 11 says, God saw the earth had become corrupt. The word corrupt, it's like a piece of metal with rust. It, it turns from good into bad. Uh, you look at our American culture today, and, and our world uses the term uh, traditional America versus modern America. And traditional America, you know, was kind of Andy Mayberry, that kind of America. And we're into progressive America. And progressive America, it doesn't matter who you marry. A man can marry a man or a woman or, 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 or you could marry two or three men if you wanted to. That's, that's progressive in our thought today. Uh, the big issue about transgenders and what bathroom you use. Uh, all these are, are, are examples of progressive thought that not only steer us away from traditional America, but more importantly, biblical thinking. Like it or not, our culture was founded uh, on Christian principles, and I don't have time to go into that today, but really it's, it's, it's beyond question of the foundation of the Bible in America's heritage. But the world was not only corrupt, but it was filled with violence. 
Violence, of course, we fully understand. It's use of force or aggression to, to hurt people. Uh, you look around uh, and say, well, let me first talk about the flood God promised. The worldwide flood. Now, if you're a little skeptical of the claims of Christianity in the Bible, <clears throat> I really want you to listen to this. There's a Ph.D. His name is John Morris. He's a scientist. He works for the uh, Institute of Creation Research. And he's found that nearly every ancient culture tells a story of a worldwide flood that destroyed the earth because of one man's sin. Um, he has collected 200 of these stories. Now think about that. 200 researched stories validated by scientists of different cultures, different tribes, having in their history a story of how the world was destroyed. Uh, now, that's a pretty big deal. Some of the uh, people he's found, even the Pacific Islanders, I mean, that's a long way from Noah's Ark in the Middle East, uh, uh, people from South America. Now, if you go to Wikipedia and you try to research the subject, they will call it flood myths. Stories, untrue. Before we had science, things that we believe, uh, that which the stupid, uninformed people hold on to. I suggest to you we've got a little bit of a conflict going on. We've got a secular view of history with a biblical account of, uh, of a researcher. Now, uh, when, but when we talked about the corruptness of the world, can you imagine everybody do evil is everywhere? I mean, it's not just like I'm becoming more amazed at our own paper, our Texarkana Gazette, every day. It's not just one, but two or three people are killing somebody, come on, raping somebody, molesting a child. I mean, it's like we kind of get used to that even in Texarkana, USA. And I want to suggest there's a parallel between the earth in Noah's day and our own day. And that it's indicative of the fact that God's judgment may be sooner than we imagine. You know the Bible teaches that one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? If you read in the book of Peter, you'll see that one day this earth will be destroyed by fire. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that will dwell eternally. But America, the FBI has what they call a crime clock. And in this crime clock, they record violent crimes. And they say a violent crime occurs in America every 26 seconds. This service is about an hour and, and 15 minutes. So in the time that we're here, there'll be 150 violent crimes in America. One person is murdered every 37 minutes. One rape every five minutes a robbery every two minutes, an aggravated assault every 43 seconds. Our songs, our TV, our movies are filled with wickedness and violence. And researchers say that an average child of 18 years of old, uh, when they're 18, they will have witnessed 200,000 acts of violence in the media and 16,000 murders. Now look, I enjoy shoot 'em up movies and John Wayne and all, you know, all the, I mean, I, I, I kind of enjoy all that, but... When you think about, why so much violence? When there's a school shooting, Hollywood comes out, and what they want to do is ban guns. And the problem is not the gun, which, by the way, how do you stop a bad guy with a gun? A good guy with a gun. Uh, come on. And, and that's their answer, just take the guns away. Well, look, what are you going to do? You're going to take, you're going to take knives away from people next? You're going to take forks away from people? In prison, they make shivs out of toothbrushes. You're going to take toothbrushes away? Evil is wrapped up in the heart of man. And I suggest to you, America is much like Noah's day. And people need to be warned. Now, even Jesus in Matthew 24, some say, well, that's the Old Testament. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 24. 
as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, mind you now, when Jesus returns to this earth, he's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming back as King of kings, Lord of lords, and judge of all the earth. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, going to Cracker Barrel, uh, you know going to hunt Arkansas turkeys on the last day of the season, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And Jesus said, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's the name of Christ. Therefore, you must also be ready. For Jesus said, I am coming at an hour you do not expect. That's why we warn people. That's why when you come into Texas from Arkansas on I-30, there's a huge electronic sign. It tells you how many people have died on our highways this year. And the intent is to somehow soberly say, don't text and drive. Don't speed. Be alert. Watch the other person. Don't, 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 don't drive when you're sleepy. Don't drink and drive. Because you could be a fatality. It is a warning. Uh, but I want to ask you, should it matter to me that people are wicked and do violent things? I've got to be honest, there's a, there, I have a, a, it would be easy for me just to want to walk away from it. Just don't no longer read the newspaper anymore. As soon as you leave work, go home and lock the door. Watch TV, play with the kids and dog, work in the garden. You know, just, just don't worry about it. Just say, well, you know, if they want to go to hell, let them go. Who cares? That's their own life. Let them do their own thing. That's not the attitude Noah had. I want to remind you that the Bible said Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He warned the wicked world about the coming judgment. There's one thing in you and I in America today find different than Noah had. Modern-day political correctness, and by definition, political correctness, I use the term all the time, you know, maybe you do too, but I looked up the definition, and it says to be politically correct is to avoid any language or behavior that any group of people might feel is unkind or offensive. So if you're a college student on a major college campus and every Wednesday night in the cafeteria is Mexican night and you make a picture, uh, it's a true story, make a little poster and put a sombrero on it, if you're a Hispanic uh, American or Hispanic student, uh, you can say that offends me that you white people put that up there and you can no longer do that because we don't want to offend you. And now our colleges, we have safe zones that we make sure we don't say anything that could hurt or offend a person. We don't want you Christians telling us that same-sex marriage is wrong. You're haters when you do that. Now, wait a minute. I think I love you more than your friends if I tell you that a behavior in the Bible is sinful and that could one day incur the wrath of God. Because I'm not talking down to you. I understand adultery would be my temptation. I am not attracted to boys. But I could be an adulterer, just as any, every one of us in this room. So when we talk to another person about their sin, we want to make sure we do it from a humble perspective. Come on. Because we're just a sinner saved by grace. But I'm somebody that cares enough to take the life preserver and throw it out to somebody that's drowning because they may not even know that they're drowning. Are, are you with me? Um, see, political correctness says, who are you to judge me? You don't have the right to tell me what to do. So you just keep your mouth shut. And it's Satan's ultimate tool to silence the voice of the church. And all we want to do is help people get to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
People may not want to be warned about danger now, but I wonder what these folks were thinking outside of the ark. Now, we were able to get some drone footage. It's, it's pretty scratchy, and I apologize. But it's a joke, okay? Ark, door shut, all the people that laughed at him. Scholars believe it took anywhere from 50 to 75. I read some believe it took as long as 100 years to build this ark. And Noah was consistently warning people. They laughed at him. They dissed him. They said it can't be true. Ha, ha, ha. He's building a boat. Now listen how illogical this was. He's building a boat, but he's building it on land. It's as big as a football field. And oh, by the way, it had never rained. Genesis says that the earth was watered, as it were, with a giant mist cloud. So it had never rained, and now Noah's talking about something that is impossible. And we almost worship our minds thinking that if our mind and reason can answer it or figure it out, then it must be true. How illogical it must have been. But then one day, indeed, waters fell from the sky and waters erupted from the earth. And for some, it was too late. I wonder if they were out there then saying, I wish I'd have listened to the warning. Even it, You may be the most ardent atheist or agnostic. It's pretty cool in today's world, uh, particularly among younger people. You may be very deliberate about it, but I just wonder if there may even be a thought in their mind when they know they're going to die. I talked to a man between services and said, I want you to pray for him. I'm going in for a heart test in, in three weeks. And I could tell by the look on his face, he was afraid of death. My friend, every one of us are going to go through that valley of the shadow of death. And I don't know about you, but I want to say, Lord, would you take my hand? Because I can't save myself as I walk through this valley. I want to believe that your promises are true, that even though we shall die, yet shall we live. I want to believe that I'll go through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because God is with me. As opposed to saying... Oh, I hope you're not there. You're really not there because my people, no, no, you're just not there, God. You're, you're really not there. Are you there? Now, come on. We've got no problems with a warning sign like this. There's a pregnant woman, and, and the sign says, don't drink while you're pregnant. Uh, fetal alcohol syndrome, 100% preventable. I was in a restaurant a few days ago, and I went in the men's room. You need to clarify that in today's world. I went in the men's room. But I went in the men's room, and there's this sign that women shouldn't drink alcohol. And I thought, what in the world? Why would they put that in the men's room? And then it dawned on me. Because they hope some man cares about the girl or the woman that's pregnant. Because they hope that the daddy, the husband, the father, the friend, the stranger will say, that's a human being growing inside your room. Come on now. Get off the crack pipe. Get off the alcohol. Stop smoking cigarettes. Give that baby a chance to live. And as a culture, we embrace signs like that about pregnancy because we understand it but what I'm talking to you is a greater warning sign today friend I'm talking about warning people from the eternal judgment of God because they, they, our, our sin separates us from God and the judgment will be eternal come on punch your neighbor and say he's preaching a little better than where I'm in him this morning what kind of guy was Noah what can we learn from him now back in Genesis 6 Noah found favor everybody say favor Favor in the eyes of the Lord, and this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And that's what got him on the ship. So now, what does it mean? Righteous, this describes his relationship with people. It means that he was a good man. He was honest. He kept his word. Blameless describes our relationship with God. Other translations says, he always obeyed God. He was faithful to God. 
How many know that's the aspiration of every Christian in this room today? I can't earn my way into heaven, but I want to live, come on, like I'm going there. Now, even Noah needed faith to be saved. The Bible says in, in Hebrews 11, uh, he was warned by God about events we've not seen. He constructed an ark, but he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So his belief in God and building this ship somehow connected him to the God for his salvation. And my friend Noah's story is an exhortation that we would live righteously and have enduring faith in troubling times. But can I suggest to you, it was his righteous lifestyle that gave him credibility to offer a warning. And if we as Christians, if we don't have the lifestyle that matches our talk, people aren't going to listen because the way they know God is real is because they watch us. And not only the thing when we don't do wrong or don't do evil, but they watch us when we go through trouble. Come on. When you go through heartache and sadness, when you go through death. I guarantee you, if, if I, if I want to make you think less of me, all, I, all you have to do is, for example, let's say uh, I, my wife and I go to Applebee's uh, after church today, <clears throat> and my wife wants to sit at the bar, and she's got, this, she's got this pitcher of beer sitting there, okay? Of course, now I have water with lemon. That's just a disguise because I'm the preacher when you know. You watch us drink a pitcher or so of beer, I guarantee you you'll think less of me. This is will. No, that beer's not going to send you to hell, but I'll tell you this, friend, it'll wreck your testimony. If you're if there's just there's just things in our culture, if you see people do, it'll wreck your testimony. Noah had a testimony for people. He was a righteous man. And because of that, listen, they were more apt to give him an ear. And when I'm talking about warning people, I'm, just, I'm not saying get you a sign and go stand out on the interstate and says, repent, you sinner. But what I am saying is just in the course of conversation, for example, Texarkana Gazette a few weeks ago, four murders on Arkansas and Texas side in 12 hours. And let's say you're with someone and you're talking about, you're having a discussion, you're, you know, you went out to eat somewhere, you're at wherever, Cracker Barrel, and you're eating and say, man, did you see the paper today? I sure did. Did you know the Bible says that that's kind of, uh, the, Jesus himself said, it's going to be like that the, uh, violence in America. It's going to be violence in the last days, just like it was in Noah's day. And maybe we should see that as a warning to make sure that our lives are right with God today. If you died today, are you 100% sure you're going to go to heaven? What was that? That was a warning, just a part of the fabric of my conversation. This is what I'm talking about this morning's message. The book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 3, uh, he warned people. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet, and God said to him, Son of man, whenever you receive a message from me, what's it say? See, when I do this, I want you to kind of tell me what's on Scripture. Warn the people. And listen to how many times it says warn. God said, if I warn the wicked through you that you're under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they're going to die in their sins. But listen to this. I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and they refuse to repent, they'll die in their sins, but you'll have saved yourself because you obeyed me. Now, I understand this is an Old Testament. It is a prophet. But I wonder if there is some level of responsibility for me. Come on now. As one given the assignment of sharing God's world, word in the world, I wonder how God will hold me responsible. Look at verse 20. It wasn't just to the world. He said, if righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior, that's the professing Christian, they're going to die. 
But if, if you don't warn them, they'll die in their sins. And listen to this. None of their righteous acts will be remembered. But I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn righteous people not to sin, and they listen to you and don't sin, they're going to live, and you'll have saved yourself too. Now that's a, and I, I, I really, that was an Old Testament prophet, but there was a great sense of responsibility to his calling. And I suggest to you that our calling is no, yet, no, no, no less sincere and no less profound to take the gospel to the whole world, to people. Now, how in the world does this kind of apply to us? In America today, there's a big bathroom controversy. If you would have asked me five years ago if I thought it would ever be a question of what bathroom you, you should use in America, I would say, you are off your rocker. In our old little town, several in, in the middle of January, the Arkansas city directors, they voted to add gender identity to one of the protected classes of people. And a gender identity simply means a transgendered person, a person who believes, though that they have the anatomy of a male or a female, and that's true of over 99% of the people. There's no question about their, 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 their sex, whether they're male or female. By the way, God said, the Bible says that God created us male and female. And it's no question. You say, well, maybe that was tradition that we got to use our own restroom. And now in the progressive age, we can decide based on our feelings about ourselves at the moment. Now, stay with me now because I think maybe I'm making some of you a little uncomfortable. I want to, I, I, listen, I want to be a guy talking to you from the Bible, not just somebody that's on the Internet, on Facebook. Because it is just possible the Bible's true. Target came out, big grocery store, Target, everything store, America's shopping place. And they said our bathroom policy is you can, uh, for both our employees and those that shop here, you can, you can go whatever bathroom you want to. People have tried it and posted on the Internet, found it to be true. Since that time, uh, <clears throat> their stock value has decreased $1.5 billion dollars. A million people have signed a protest. I'm one of them. So if a million sign it, I'm thinking there are multi multiplied millions of people because we're just wanting to say, hey, look, this behavior is wrong. Again, now, we live in a world today of political correctness that says you have no right to tell me what's right and wrong. How, how about this in your Facebook controversy? Add this, um, Deuteronomy 22.5. A woman must not put on men's clothing. A man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who, do, who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. Now, that's not some preacher spouting hate language. That's somebody reading what, uh, uh, from the Bible that records right and wrong in terms of human behavior. So, listen, this is not about my preferences. And this is more than... This, and this is more than just, you know, protecting my wife and child, although that's a part of it. Now there's a long list growing of people, come on, of the video cameras in the restrooms, of the rapes that happen in the all the, uh, uh, now that's being documented. But I suggest to you that our culture doesn't care about the facts because there's an ungodly agenda that's at work. And all I'm suggesting to you is when you engage in the conversation in a loving way, warn people not in an arrogant, bigoted, self-righteous way, not in a condescending way. 
but in a loving way, say, hey, look, it's going to rain. I don't know when it's going to rain, but one day it's going to rain. And if you're not on the ark, you're going to be in big, big trouble. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand today. Back in Genesis chapter 6, God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Now I want you to build this large boat or this ark the size of a football field from cypress or gopher wood and waterproof it. Verse 17, look, I'm going to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Can I tell you, friend, sin brings judgment. It happened before and it'll happen again. Who was it? What was that movie when it had a, oh, the guy that did the Ten Commandments? It happened before and it'll happen again. The meteor movie with, uh, come on, which was, what was it? You know the meteor's going to hit the earth. I can't remember. It's an old movie. Oh, Bruce Willis. And he saved the world. But the way it started out, the asteroid, it happened before. And it'll happen again. And then Bruce Willis is hitting a golf ball or whatever he's doing. But anyway, um, sin brings judgment. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in due season, God will judge, say it with me, everyone, both good and bad. He'll judge everyone, both good and bad, for all their deeds. Romans chapter 2, this is New Testament, because you're stubborn and you refuse to turn from your sin, hear me, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Now, that's an interesting phrase. I've talked to people who said, I could never believe in a God that would send someone to hell. I could never believe in a God that would, that would, would, would kill people. This phrase, righteous judgment, simply means that the just recompense for sin was paid out. Romans says, the wages of sin is death. It is just, it is expected. Just like it is expected when you, when you sell something, you're expecting to get payment for that. When you work 40 hours, you're expecting a paycheck. It is a just payment. But now let me turn this in a good direction. Uh, I promise you, next time I preach on heroes, we're going to have something upbeat, okay? We're, we're going to talk about Joshua and Caleb, and we're going to talk about the triumphant faith. But I would do you a disservice if I didn't talk to you about Noah. I would do you a disservice if I did not warn you and if I did not challenge you to warn people because Jesus himself said the same thing that happened in Noah's day will happen once again. Let's talk about the ark of salvation. Genesis 6, 17, everything else is going to die. But God said to Noah, I'm going to confirm my covenant with you. Enter the boat, enter the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Now, let me shift the last few moments to salvation. Because here's the deal. We've looked at the ungodly people for most of this message. Let's talk about Noah just a second. Noah entered this ark that took him 50, 75, 100 years to build, and supernatural things started happening. Do you know that God sent animals two by two? God sent two hippos, two elephants, two giraffes. They may not have been the full-sized ones, but he sent animals on that ship. Noah didn't have to be cowboy, you know, and round them up, but God sent them supernaturally. 
And then the Bible said God told Noah one day to go inside the ark. And when he went inside the ark, the door shut of its own accord. This is supernatural. I'm telling you, friends, our salvation in Christ is supernatural. It, you don't have to get the crank and the lever and shut the door on your own. You don't have to have a hydraulic lift to shut that door. When you put your trust in Christ, if you put your trust in Noah on that day, there was a supernatural event of protection that happened before the judgment began to come to the earth, before rain began to fall, before the waters of the deep were broken up. Now, this idea of the waters of the deep... Uh, but before it had never rained before, but you know there's water under you right now. My brother in Mississippi is on, he lives on a farm and, and and he needed water to water acres of his of his sod field and they punched a hole and went down about 25 feet and they tapped into a river underground. Is it just possible that these rivers exploded in Noah's day? Is it just possible that that's when the continents began to break up? The Bible says the foundations of the deep were broken up. This, my friend, began to happen. But can I tell you, there was salvation on the ark. There was salvation on the ark. Noah waited. Noah warned people. But he was safe because he put his faith and his trust in God. And I'm going to close with this thought. In the same way, God has a plan to protect us on judgment day. Now, if you've turned me off earlier, turn me back on right now. God has a plan to save us on Judgment Day. In Noah's day, it was an ark. In our day, it is the ark of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see Noah's ship as a type of Christ. That when Noah entered that ark, he was saved from the judgment. He was saved from the torment, even that he deserved he didn't save himself. He was not good enough to be saved, but it was his faith and his trust in Christ. I want to remind you of a scripture I heard as a boy in a Methodist church. It said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That was all Noah's wife and his sons and their daughters had to do was believe what Daddy said and get on that ark, and they were saved. I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment to make a step to Christ. Because just as we, Noah had to make a step inside the ark, so too we make a step to receive Christ for his safety and protection. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me, and we want to have a prayer, and we'll sing and, and one song and then go home. But don't quite turn on the restaurant just yet. Don't look on your phone to see where you're going to eat. I want to talk to you just a second. In just a moment, we're going to ask our prayer team to come forwards. We make time for prayer in every service because I know there's people here that are just like me. You've got problems, you've got needs, you've got hurts, and there's some things that you can't fix you need God to help you with. We want to pray for you. But before we call people up for general prayer, I wonder if you're here today and you don't know if... You'd go to heaven or hell if you died today. If it started to rain, you don't know if you'd be on the ark or not. Can I tell you, friend, there's a way that you can know that you're saved. Scripture says, as many as received Christ to those he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. You see, belief in the Bible, the scripture I quoted, John 3:16, belief implies action, not just in my head, but in my heart. To make a step to Christ. I was a 19-year-old boy trying to find happiness in life. Hadn't found it, so I ran away from my problems. I was becoming very worldly. And Gideon gave me a Bible. And he said, son, if you'll just read this, you'll read about the love that God has for you and the plan he has for your life. 
you'll understand that it's your sin that separates you from God and God's got a good plan for you. But son, you've got to make a step to Christ. You've got to ask for His forgiveness. You've got to turn your heart to follow Him. And on August 15th, 1976, I stepped into the ark which is Christ. Can I tell you, friend, I've never regretted it. I've never regretted it. Come on, he's, he's my Savior. He's my friend. He's my Lord. He's given me purpose in my life. And I was raised in church, but going to church is not enough. And what I'm asking you right now is not to be a part of this church. I'm simply trying to point you to Christ who gave his life for you on a cross. I'm simply trying to tell you it's not enough just to have it in your head. You've got to turn in your heart and begin to follow Jesus. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, you're talking to me now, I know it's true. I've not been living the way I need to live. I don't know what would happen to me if I died today, but I've heard the Word of God today, and I want to put my trust in Christ as my Savior. I'm ready to ask God to forgive me and give me a brand new start in life. I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, just real boldly, I want you to just lift your hand right now. Come on, don't think twice. Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you today. Say, pray for me, Pastor. God, I thought I saw a hand there. Somebody else? Say, pray for me. I want to put my trust in Christ today. Yeah, look, you're in a place where people are going to rejoice with you. So I want to put my trust in Christ today. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be left behind. I want to put my trust in Christ. Well, here's what we're going to do. Our prayer team is going to come to the altar right now. And as they're making their way towards the front, they're going to begin to sing. And I want to encourage you, uh, if you want prayer for anything, just slip up to this altar right now. And if you want to pray, someone to pray with you about your soul committing your life to Christ, just make a step towards this cross over uh, on your right, and someone will meet you there. Come let us pray for you today as we sing this last song. I love you very much. Thanks for coming today. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide over I know we're all searching for Just what we need before we say a word. Cause you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. You know, our prayer team, they're going to remain around front and be happy to pray with you about anything. But if not, hey, you're free to be dismissed. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week. God bless you.